God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That's what the story is all about. The story of the Bible. God's great love affair with humanity. Cornerstone, I hope this finds you well, and any of our guests that might be checking out uh, our worship service tonight, today, whenever you're reading this, watching this, uh, glad you've joined us. Today, uh, we're studying about Paul uh, in his final days, a man who carried out ministry from the confines of imprisonment. Uh, maybe that's what your kids are calling this social distancing right now in your own homes. They feel like they're imprisoned as you isolate yourself uh, from uh, others around you. And so uh, it's difficult to be separated from one another. It's difficult to be stuck somewhere and you can't get out. It's difficult to be isolated. And so um, what, I, uh, what I hope for you to do today is just to, uh, uh, to, to take a picture, if you will, uh, of your little gathering wherever you're at and maybe post that on our Facebook page or share it uh, with uh, some other social media platform. But uh, I want to show you a few pics from around the world uh, of different families uh, worshiping. This is the Hoy family. Uh, they're in Fiji. You see they have their Bibles open and uh, they're studying the scriptures together. They have their communion uh, set out. Uh, here's another family uh, in Christ Church, New Zealand. Uh, looks like the little guy is uh, uh, heels overhead uh, in love with the worship time right now as his mom and dad as they're watching uh, their live stream church service. And here's one more. This is a Yoon family. This is their dad on the TV. He's preaching uh, in a church uh, in South Korea, Seoul, actually. And so um, it's it just it, what, last Sunday and this Sunday, one of the most unique times of worship in uh, recent church history, uh, where so many of us are uh, worshiping from our homes or little gathering places where we're at. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he understood the hardship of worship and in isolation. He understood the difficulty of being imprisoned. Sometimes he was under house arrest and sometimes he was in a dungeon type atmosphere. And so much of his life was spent in chains. It was during this time of Paul's imprisonment when he was in these isolated spaces that he wrote what we call the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon are four books that we know that he wrote from a prison cell. We're going to talk about one more. Uh, and Paul wants us to know about his physical conditions when he was writing these letters. In Colossians 4, uh, verse 18, he says, uh, Remember my chains. Paul wants people to know that he was isolated, that he was separated, and yet he was still uh, continuing uh, to carry out ministry and still felt and sensed the presence of the Lord. And so um, it, Christ empowers him uh, to do much work, even though he's separated from his church family. Uh, we read in Philippians 1.14, And because of my chains, Paul says, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul sees that 
uh, that even though he's isolated, what he's going through gives confidence to those who are reading his letters. And so uh, he knew what it meant to be separated and to have uh, his plans uh, eliminated or delayed or changed. But it didn't make him weaker. It made him stronger. And so uh, his letters, the ones that he wrote in prison, become letters of encouragement and instruction to the church. Paul's imprisonment actually empowered the church. He actually did even more ministry from within the confines of a jail cell. And so Paul's uh, last imprisonment was under the reign of Nero in 66 AD. And so uh, the book 2 Timothy was written uh, in, in, in this prison that Nero had put him in. And, uh, and this uh, letter, uh, 2 Timothy, is, is just so rich with encouragement to his, to his young uh, one mentoree, the one that he was uh, raising up to take his place. And so throughout this short letter, Paul reminds Timothy to not give up, to keep studying the scriptures and to keep proclaiming the gospel. And so uh, we're not going to be able to look at this book, but I hope before this day ends that you will read the entire letter of Second Timothy. It's a short book, won't take you about 20 minutes, but it's just rich with encouragement and a, and a challenging scripture uh, uh, to help us all, you know, press on to endure. And so um, we're going to look at just, just one verse uh, that is just profound uh, in Paul's, uh, the end of Paul's life. Uh, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Paul is confident his life in Christ regardless of the circumstances, has meaning. Uh, and he uses this expression that his life is poured out as a drink offering to God. In Roman banquets, it was common that at the close of the celebration, the final cup of wine would be poured out on the ground as an offering to one of the Roman gods. And Paul takes this metaphor and he says this is his life, that his life is poured out as, as an offering to his Lord and God, uh, Jesus Christ, and the Father in heaven. And, he, and he's, he's, he's poured out his life uh, to advance the kingdom of God. And when Paul wrote these words, it was just prior to his execution uh, by Nero, just prior to his beheading. And, and he, he, he's not in despair he, he, he doesn't come to the end of, uh, of his life and, and feel like it's, it's not worth anything. No, just the opposite. He sees his life as, as something that has, has honored God and strengthened the church, and his life has been rich with an experience with Christ. Now, while Paul is in prison, Nero, his life is on, uh, on easy street, if you will. Uh, just to contrast these two people, Paul in chains and Nero as the most powerful man in the world. Uh, Paul is, is mostly unknown, and Nero is so widely known. Nero lived in a palace, and Paul spent his last days in prison. Nero was married to a beautiful woman named Popea Sabina, and uh, she was uh, a person of, of striking beauty, uh, history writes about her. 
Uh, she daily bathed in donkey milk. Uh, if you can believe that, uh, there was a whole herd of donkeys to supply milk for her daily baths. And then she would be dried off with swan feathers. Uh, and then her skin, her, her feet, and her hands were massaged with crocodile mucus. And this was to, uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess that was uh, important to them back then. But, but Nero loved soft skin, and I guess crocodile mucus and donkey's milk and swan feathers makes your skin very soft and, 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 and uh, beautiful. But this is what Nero liked, and, and Nero got what he liked. And so Nero loved beautiful women, and he considered himself to be the most handsome man who's ever lived. Uh, at the age of 25, he built a huge colossus statue of himself to honor himself. By contrast, Paul was described as a bow-legged, hunched-over man with a unibrow and a large nose whose back was scarred by all the beatings that he endured. Nero thought that uh, the world was all there is, and Paul knew that this is not all there is. Paul was beheaded and died in obscurity, and four years after Paul's death, Nero himself at the age of 29 becomes uh, depressed. He becomes paranoid. And uh, what had taken place in his life is that his second wife, well, actually at the time was her, his mistress, kills his first wife. Then Nero, uh, he, he goes through a range of emotions, apparently. Uh, he goes to his second wife, and he kills her by kicking her to death. Uh, even though she was pregnant, uh, he, 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 grows, he grows isolated, he grows depressed, he grows crazy and, until his Praetorian guard, his owned armed bodyguard, takes him out because uh, of how crazy he really was. And so when you, when you contrast these two men who are living at the same time, who have this interaction with one another, uh, such a drastic difference between the outcome uh, of their lives. Paul dies in obscurity. Nero dies famously. But, but to this day, we don't name, uh, we, our, we name our dogs uh, after Nero, like, uh, but we name our children uh, after Paul. Uh, Paul's suffering, uh, of, of Christ, uh, suffering has inspired Christians throughout the ages to endure all types of hardships, but no one... No one sees any kind of inspiration from Nero's life. Um, Nero never wrote anything that I know of. Uh, maybe he did. I've never read it. But I have read one of the greatest literary works of all time, the book of Romans written by Paul. And so what I'm saying is that no matter what our life situation is, that if we are imprisoned in Christ, then our life has meaning no matter what the outside conditions are. And so uh, the Apostle uh, Peter talks about how important it is to proclaim this hope that we have in Jesus, no matter what's going on in our lives. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Christians, we have a hope. We have a hope people need to know about. There are a lot of people who are, are very, uh, very afraid there are a lot of people who are wondering, like, how things are going to work out. 
But our hope and our confidence is in Christ. And knowing that makes all the difference. And we need to share that hope with others. And so um, if you don't think that God can work through difficult circumstances, just look at the crucifixion of Christ. One of the most horrible events to ever one man to ever endure becomes the salvation for all who will put their faith in him. And so I hope that you share some of the good things that God is doing in your life. I hope you share that through social media, through text, through phone calls, uh, through letters. Um, uh, anytime you have the opportunity, opportunity to encourage someone, this is what we need to do because we have examples like Paul that we can, we can endure all types of hardships. And even if the worst thing comes into our life, it's still our life in Christ will have purpose and meaning long after our demise. We use difficult circumstances to share our confident hope. This virus has brought suffering to many people. And many have lost their lives. Some have lost their jobs. Some are even losing their minds by being isolated from uh, their friends and family. Maybe, I hope not. But everyone has been affected by this in one way or another. And so... Um, I just want you to know that over the past week, uh, my phone and the church office phone, we have received calls every day from Christians who are part of this Cornerstone family who are not making requests, but they are actually saying, hey, I can, I can offer this. I can share this. Uh, we've had people uh, offer cooking meals and delivering it to people. We've had people uh, offer dog food for people who might can't find dog food for their animals. We've had uh, uh, one person call and said, hey, if anybody needs the N95 masks, I have a box of those. I can share those. I have toilet paper to share. Uh, that seems to be a premium right now. Um, people are calling and encouraging me and other members of the staff. And so what I'm saying is like when, when difficulty comes to the family of God, it becomes a platform for giving confident hope. It becomes a, a launching pad for doing good works in Christ's name to point other people to Jesus. One of the most encouraging stories I ever heard was uh, by a missionary, C.Y. Kim. And Lord willing, he will be standing on this platform September of this year. C.Y. Kim is a missionary who targets communist bloc countries. Uh, he's preached in most all the major communist uh, regime uh, empires. And uh, he brings hope to Christians who are enduring immense suffering. One story of C.Y. Kim that's always brought inspiration to me is when he was locked into a cold jail cell in a communist bloc country, freezing cold. He thought he was going to die from the frigid conditions. He knelt on his uh, bedroll and began to pray for God to help him. And suddenly, his bedroll became warm. It grew even warmer. It got so hot, he had to remove his shirt. He began to sweat. The jail cell was, just grew in heat. And, and like it, this miracle took place to affirm to Kim that God had not left him. God had not abandoned him. Even though his circumstances looked bleak, God was present there with him supplying all that he needed in the most difficult moments of his life. And that's what God's doing right now. Our God is, is, is our salvation. Our God will supply what we need, when we need it, at just the right time. 
We have a confident hope, and others must know that. So share. This is the moment that the church can shine the brightest when people are feeling hopeless. When the world is scared, it needs a strong, confident, courageous church. And now's the time to be that. I'm so glad you heard this message. I hope it encourages you. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask you to just empower us right now. Like you empowered Paul, even though he was in a prison, you gave him the ability to affect millions of people for century after century with his words and his letters. And so, Father, would you just empower this church, this family, to do what we can do with your power, which is more than we could even imagine. And would you help the church worldwide be the church so that people would put their confidence in Christ, for he will never fail them. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.